the rest of us are going to stand here and continue in worship in our new series. Uh, obviously, we're calling it Christmas is not your birthday. It's kind of a funny thing to say this time of year. But I, it's one of those statements, and I hope after we're going to do this um, this week, next week we have the children's program, then the 20th will be back on series, and the 30th of December as well. And it's one of those things that the more you say that phrase out loud, the more you realize how, you know, confused we become about uh, Christmas. Specifically as Christians, by the way, we're not really picking on culture for not celebrating Jesus. It says that the world did not know him, right? But we do. And, and if you know Jesus... You should be excited about his birth during the Christmas season. It's not the community's job to celebrate Jesus. It's the church's job to celebrate Jesus. And so I hope for you, and, and, and I know for me, it's been a challenging and growing experience to reorient your heart toward Christ during Christmas. And today we're actually talking in our series um, about giving up on perfect. Um, I don't know what you think about Christmas at your you know, in your family, but I know um, we're always trying to relive the perfect Christmas or reinvent it or have the, and usually what happens is we, we end up being disappointed in, in some way or the other in what goes down, right? I don't know, and you didn't spend as much time looking at it as I did, but I, I don't know if, if you saw on the screens um, all those stuff that we're told that we need during the holidays, right? I mean, during Christmas, What's on your wish list? What I notice one of the trends in things, and I feel it in my own heart, is that when I start shopping, see, we're supposed to be giving gifts, and you start shopping for others, but then you start to realize that, ooh, I need that. I, that that's a, something I could, I need that. I can get this for them, but I need that, right? Um, and you start to realize, and what I think it is, is that we've been sold this um, lie that, that if we have those things, we'll be better, right? I mean, if you look at the stuff that we're looking at buying during Christmas, it's usually stuff to make your life easier, to make your life better. One way you could say it is to make your life more perfect, right? I mean, have you ever gone into someone's house and you see the way that they, and you go, man, if I had this, I could, I could float into the room I could have my coffee freshly ground. I don't know. I'm not, you know, I could have filtered water or I, I could have, and you just float and you go, and life would be perfect. Isn't that what we believe? We, we believe if, if we gave our kids the right gadget, the right thing, it's going to, they're going to be like, thanks, and it's going to be perfect. But the reality, and something we don't often think about when we realize, when we, when we remember the birth narrative of Jesus, is that things aren't perfect. As a matter of fact, if things were perfect, Jesus wouldn't have come. <laughs> you know? Like, he came because things were never perfect. They were always wrong. They were always broken. What if... Following the call of God in your life meant that you and I had to give up on the idea of being perfect. Like, what if that thing that you say, well, whenever I'm there, what if you had to, you had to let that go in order to respond to God's call in your life? I'm not saying, like, what if you let it go and then you could, I'm saying, what if you can't, do it 
with perfection. What if God wants to use you and I right now just like we are, flaws and all? You see, that's a, that's a different way to look at what God is doing, isn't it? So many of us fall into the lie that we believe that we have to be perfect to be used by God. And if you've read much of the Bible, and I hope that you have, you will see it is replete with stories of people who are screwing up. We, we call it like, I mean, Hebrews 11, is, it says you're surrounded by the witness of all the saints. But if you read the stories, they're just a mess. One after the other, God's chosen people, Israel, his individuals, he calls forward the people who respond. It's just one thing out, and people will just say, I'm not ready. I can't do this. But what if God works in imperfect people? Because, see, today we're going to hear the birth narrative of Jesus. And I believe that's exactly the story we're going to hear as we enter into God's word today, I'm going to ask you to pray with me, as you always do, that he would teach us from his word, the, 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 the life-giving word of God, and that we'd be quenched, that we would be satisfied, and we would be eager to respond to the reality of his gospel. Please pray with me as we enter into the word. Father, today we've come here and just worshiped you, just getting ready for your, 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 your celebration of the life that you brought to us. It's just a miracle on miracle. And, and today, Father, for whatever reason we've come here, I pray that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear. And I pray that you would break those places of our hearts that are just stubborn and stuck and, and hurt, whatever it is, Father, that you would break them all the more that you could be perfection to us, that we could stop trying to make our holidays or our family or ourself or even our discipleship, perfect. But we would cry out to you and long for you and desire you. Your word says when perfection comes. And Father, that's what we want. That's what we're waiting for. So today, by your grace and mercy, deliver your people through your word. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So go ahead, if you brought a Bible today, I hope you did. If you didn't, um, grab one of ours. If you don't have a Bible, we would love to buy one for you. Uh, we think it's the, the living word of God and just changes your life. And so I hope you're reading it. We're going to turn to the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 1. And we're going to read a few verses here and, and talk through some principles, uh, maybe how we've gotten Christmas wrong. Luke, chapter 1, starting in verse 26. This is what Luke writes. In the sixth month, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this could be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, 
and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be since I am still a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren in her sixth month because nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And the angel left. This is a a story that you've probably heard before, and even if you've never been in church, even if you've never, you know, you've probably heard somehow through just the cultures retelling this narrative of this, this perfect Virgin Mary, just waiting around for this moment that that God was going to show up in a powerful way. Do you have that image? I mean, this 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 child. She must have been a dream to raise, and, and she stands patiently waiting for her Lord to speak. Wonder of wonders, an angel comes to her and and says, "You know, you are highly favored, Mary." And then we hear this narrative of Mary willingly accepting this um, job, opportunity, call, responsibility to be the mother of the Son of God. What? That's right, to be the mother of the Son of God. That's what the, the mother of the Most High God. That's what it said. That's an Old Testament reference, by the way, to the Most High God. You will bear the Son of God, by the way, Mary. One of the problems that we have in the first thing we're going to talk about, the reason that we don't understand Christmas is because we've sanitized the nativity. I mean, you see it, we've dressed it up, we've polished off all the rough edges. You can check it out. I saw one at the Corey Rexon. I might be one at the square. I don't know if it's still there or not, but there's these nativities around town. You can see them in front yards. One of my neighbors has a beautiful one. It's white. It's a silhouette. At night, there's a light that shines on it and throws a shadow up on the wall. It's so perfect. You know what I say when I see that? Oh, I want one of those. See, everyone's in their position, heads bowed, right? Jesus is laying there. (laughs) But do you hear the narrative story? of the unsanitized nativity. It says Mary was a virgin pledged to be married, right? It has two meanings here. It means a young woman, a very young woman. Has anyone, anyone here 14, 15 years old and still in, in this room right now? Can you stand up for me? Would you do that? Anyone else? 14, 15? Be courageous. Yeah? Go ahead, stand up and rest up for me. There? See? No big deal. God's coming. You're going to have a baby. Are you ready? I mean, that's what happened. You guys can have a seat. That's what happened. We got Mary in like this blue thing. Just, you know, and we, but we put her about like middle-aged, you know what I'm saying? Because we're not comfortable with this whole teenage pregnancy thing. Oh. Mary 
Here's the angel and says, what does it say in the word? Did you see what the... She was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of a message is this? See, Mary, this wasn't on her plan. She was pledged to be married. There's going to be no end of complications from this whole following God thing. We sanitized the nativity. The people in the nativity are all sanitized. You know, we, 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 we remember the shepherds out in the fields tending their flocks by night. We sing songs about it, don't we? And we got Joseph, the faithful, to be husband. Says, oh, shucks, honey. That's all right. I'll be God's stepdad. I mean, if any of you have come out of a broken home, hello. I mean, you know, get, you've got some love here, right? I mean, you know. And whenever, you know, when you're the stepdad in that situation and it, the kid's dad calls, you know, you got to listen. <laughs> Joseph, yeah, he's right there. Tough thing to be compared to, isn't the perfect father above? But even more than that, we know the narrative later on, and the kids are going to present it. I hope you'll come next week. The kids have worked really hard on this, and we've had some great leadership from Brittany Squared, as we like to say, on, on our Christmas program. I hope you'll come. But, and we think it, it is, it's to me adorable. But you know, there was like animals around, they didn't have a place to stay. You know, and you kept going from place to place. And you might think that's weird. Say, well, you know, it just helps the story. But you know what Jesus said later in his life? People say, I want to follow you. And he'd say, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. I mean, what, what if the nativity looks more like homelessness? It's different than what we've believed. So I would, you know, one of the things we have to do is stop doing that. I mean, we, we make God's people into cardboard cutouts, two-dimensional figures. The, the, and the problem is that not only is it unhelpful to us, but it's unhelpful to them. It doesn't really respect their experience with God. It doesn't really respect the reality of the risk they took in following God and bringing Jesus into the world. I'm amazed by Mary's courage. I'm amazed by her conviction. Praise God for faithful followers. That's, I told you last week, that's what it takes, one person to believe what God is saying is true. Changes everything. And then all of the complication of the situation of being born. You know, we have all these we're having some babies. We've been having babies, and, you know, it's all so clean and uh, scrub in, scrub out, and all that. I mean, can you imagine, like, in the, in the shed? I don't even know if there's anybody there. It just says, like, jo I hope Joseph was there, you know? Who was, in the, who was there? What a way for God to come to us. What does that say, that he enters in such, such, such dirty circumstances and such a complicated situation? We can dress it up with religion, but that's really the reality. Young, young adults, 
dealing with something they weren't ready for, yet being faithful. Well, the, the next thing we have to realize about Mary, and there's this ability to do this, is to think that she was perfect. I want you to look with me, if you will, in verse 28. This is what the angel says when he first greets Mary. What he says is, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Right? He, he doesn't say, like, I finally found the perfect person. Greetings, perfect young lady. He says, greetings, you who are highly favored. Look at what Mary was greatly troubled, but the angel said, do not be afraid. Why should she not be afraid? Because you have found favor with God. It, it doesn't say, don't be afraid, Mary, because you know all the answers, or don't be afraid, Mary, you know, because it's all going to be. It says, don't be afraid because God has poured his unmerited favor out on you. The root of the word favored is grace. He's saying, greetings, you who have had a lot of grace poured out on you. The first thing he says to Mary before he gives her the news, we say the good news of Jesus Christ. He says, don't be afraid because you're favored. I, I think about us as we follow God and, you know, here's, I'm going to say this again. I think we believe we're fundamentally different than those in the story. We believe they're like superhuman somehow. They were, they were different than us. But the reality is that when the angel comes to Mary, he says, you have had God's grace poured out on you for this call. And if you and I could begin to understand as children of God the unmerited grace that we have been given through the cross of Jesus Christ, it would change everything. What if we believe that about ourselves as we celebrated Christmas? You who are highly favored. You who God would give anything for and has. You see, Mary wasn't perfect. She wasn't perfect. But she was favored by God. I love that. Because you know what that means? That means that I can stand right there beside Mary and just go, man, God, what do you want me to do? Highly favored people. You know, that's what the word says about you guys. That while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. That when he came, he came for you. That when you knew him, you knew him through his unmerited grace, his favor not your perfection. And this is one of the most broken things about the way we approach religion in the world is we think if we're good enough, and you know what? If there are other religions that if you want to try to be good enough, you can go join that religion. But Christianity is not a religion where you depend on your own perfection to bring things about. It's our very lack of perfection that requires God's favor and grace to get anything done. Mary, praise God, by the end of this conversation, says, may it be as you have said. I love that. So, other than knowing that we're favored, we have to begin to see the gift in the pain. The gift inside the pain. Mary asked, in verse 34, 
she said, how will this be since I am still, or I am a virgin? I'm answering words still there. I am a virgin, right? And, and, and that question is twofold. She's saying, how can this possibly be true for me because I am just a child, right? And, and she's a woman, but she's a child. You know what I'm saying? She's in that, that early stage of life. Things have, and she's saying, how is this possible for me? What could possibly... This is not going to be a great thing. My, my dad is going to kill me. <laughs> right? Joseph, who's going to want me? How can this be? I am a virgin. And the angel answers this, and this is the answer that you and I get, and I hope if you start to ask, if you start to ask in your life, what would God have me to do? I hope that you can hear the similar words as they're spoken over Mary by the angel. He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born and called the Son of God. The angel never says, well, Mary, you are the right candidate for the job. The angel says, God's spirit will rest on you. It doesn't mean that from that moment she was just like, you know, la, 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 la. You know what I mean? Like, read the other narratives of the story. Joseph struggles. God has to show up and talk to Joseph. Dude, you're going to do this. You know what I mean? He's like, I'm just going to, you know, move on, you know? It's not like in that moment. It's more like this. God's spirit is going to rest on you, Mary, every step of the way. So maybe the first thing is that she begins to weep. I mean, just think about this for a moment. It's all fine and good to say at the beginning, okay, God, I'll do what you want. But then you get that baby bump. You start to show you start to have to wear those maternity robes. I don't know what they wore. <laughs> I don't know what they wore. Um, and you know, you know what happened. Because people are people. You know, there's two things that haven't changed since the beginning of time. God and humanity. We've not fundamentally changed in any way. And so you know the moment even if Mary wasn't perfect, and she would have probably said, I'm not perfect, I'm just Mary. How can this be? Why would this happen? But you know, there were people going, see? Mary, she's pregnant. Her and Joseph, right? Joseph's friends, dude, seriously, you know? And they start to have interactions. I mean, how's, that, how's that first conversation go? So, Joseph, we have to talk. You know what I mean? Betrayal, hurt, dreams that die in a moment. See, this is where God's spirit shows up. Not, not in perfection. My gifts will come in the pain. I will sustain you, Mary. I will overshadow you. You will, be, you will be masked in my glory. You will walk amongst your peers who mock and scoff, but I will be with you. 
all the way. Those are the kind of realities that you and I have been given in the Spirit of God also. That despite the hardship, despite the pain, despite the circumstances, I know some of you in this room right now are thinking, but you don't know my circumstance. I'm not, it's a real, but listen, God says, I will go with you through it. He will never leave us or forsake us, and we can trust him and walk with him. He will sustain us for the day. He never says it will be perfect. He says, I will be present. Praise God. Praise God for his presence. So we begin to see the gift of the Holy Spirit in the middle of their story, their pain. I wonder, and this is going to be a hard thing to say out loud, I wonder how many times it is that I miss the chance to have God deliver me because I'm afraid to enter into a painful situation. Well, how many times? It's easier to act like it's okay, but to enter into the reality. I wonder how many times we miss his presence because we take no risks for him. Well, the last thing about the uh, nativity, the perfection that that we see, and I love this is the last point here, but is that you get, you get by with a little help from your friends, as the song says as such. Um, I love at the end of this narrative here, the good news isn't good news for Mary. Now, I told you already that Mary was a young lady. We had some young ladies stand up this morning. Is anyone here that would perhaps not be the youngest lady? I won't say the eldest lady. I would say... I don't know what I would say. I won't say any more than that. Anyone? Do you feel like maybe you're gaining in wisdom and knowledge? Anyone? Do you want to stand up? Anyone feel courageous this morning? Stand up and you're going to say, I am God's creature. I am here and I might very well be one of the eldest people in the room. It's okay. If two of you stand up, you won't be embarrassed. Courageous. Thank you. And the angel says, Mary, not only you, but Elizabeth will bring forth a child. You guys can have a seat. Do you see what happens here? It's not just for the young, hip, cool. God says, when I show up, I show up for all people, all stages of life. If we read the scriptures to believe that God only uses the young or the, the excited or the vibrant or whatever it is, you know what I mean? The story is replete with wisdom and knowledge and maturity and obedience and discipleship at age. Look at what he says. It's, it comes in verse 36. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. By the way, I want to say that for all of you ladies who stood up, you are young ladies compared to Elizabeth. You might think it'd be a miracle for you, Elizabeth, it was a bigger miracle for her. It was a bigger miracle for her. And he says this, in her old age, she, will, uh, she who was said to be barren her whole life is now in her sixth month. Why? Anybody know why? If you read in your Bibles, you know why it says, because nothing is impossible for God. God. 
Zechariah, Elizabeth's husband, goes, right. And God goes, And he gets to spend, let me just walk this out for a minute. He gets to spend the entirety of his wife's pregnancy mute. God has a sense of humor. Do you know what I mean? That's what he gets to do. Just nod his head at her. I mean, he gets nothing until his baby's born. And God says, okay, now you go speak. And you tell someone how glorious I am. How wonderful I am. How powerful I am. The good news of Jesus is good news for all generations. And we get by with help from our friends, you know what I mean? Like, Mary goes to see Elizabeth, you know? She's like, really? Because that's crazy. You know, like, I thought this whole thing you are telling me, but that's... And she goes, and sure enough, Elizabeth is six months pregnant. And Mary celebrates with her. So this morning... I want to kind of turn the series a bit and start talking about some things with you. I asked you last week to, act, to, to wonder with me for about a minute what God may be calling you to do to believe in him for this Christmas. And it could be a myriad of things. I believe if, there's, if each one of you here, you could have your own thing. God could be calling you to your own thing of what he wants you, how he wants you to celebrate his coming, his miraculous arrival in our lives. And many of us would say, well, we can't do much, you know, by myself, I can't do much. But there's a beautiful thing that when the people of God begin to do what God is calling them to do, they can do more together. God can empower more people through his spirit. God can, I love that the scripture talks about unity in Christ, that we can do more together. And so I wonder, how much can I do? Or what can I do? Or how much can we do? Or what can we do? Well, I'm going to offer a few opportunities that we have to you. Just throw them out there. And I want you to understand something on the, on the uh, front side here. I am not uh, dictating that these are the things that God said we must do. What we've done is talk to several ministry leaders about things that we've heard about that are opportunities to do something together. And so I'm going to talk through a few opportunities that we have that you may or may not choose to use to celebrate the coming of Christ this Christmas. But I want to walk through them with you. The first thing that I want to share with you is something that the Highland Area Christian Service Ministry does. It's called Haxam. You might know it as the food pantry. And every year they do a program called Adopt a Family. Adopt the Family is really cool because it's right here in our community. You know, if you ever wonder, like, when you, when you participate, if you volunteer your time, you can walk in there and serve and see everything that's happening. It's all very open. If you give to support the Hexham uh, Food Pantry, whether it's with in-kind donations of food or financially, this becomes, it goes right to the recipients. Like, there's no middleman. It just goes right through. It's a complete pass-through system. It, it's really amazing. Um, what they do over there. And they have this program called Adopt-A-Family. And we've participated in it every year at Family Bible Church. We've done this. Um, and we adopt a family. And we send home those little cards. And you guys bring them back. And some little boy or girl in our community gets a gift that they would not get without it. It's, they do a great job of screening. And they literally wouldn't get things 
from their parents. They don't come from you, by the way. Look at mom and dad gave you. So we have the opportunity to do that. If you may, some of you actually noticed right away and started just automatically doing it. But on the back table in the back, there's a, there was 11 children that we were given the opportunity to adopt. Now, let me say something. If you don't feel compelled to do it, don't do it. That ain't what it's about. But if you go back there and you're like, man, I want to do that. That's my heart. Right here, community, I want to bless a child or whatever. Then you can take one of those and you can, you can adopt them for, and you know, there's details on the sheet how that works. You can bless someone in our own community this holiday, this Christmas season. Something else that you guys have heard a lot about recently is the Rock Ministries. We sent a team of missionaries, praise God, we sent a team of missionaries to Kenya to help build homes for orphans in the city centers. They basically are building this kind of refuge I think it's in Malaba, is that right? To get these kids out of the city. They're, they're, they, have no, they have no parental guidance, they have no, no safety, and they're bringing them into this environment where they can learn, they can be fed, they can be loved, and they can become responsible adults. And what's really cool is that they've had now had graduates have come through the program who are leading in the program. It's very indigenous in nature. By the way, one faithful lady, late in life, heard God call her to go to Kenya. One. Well, what they have, and they would, I'm going to ask you to pray about, is you'll see here, these are, there's two homes, right? And these are the homes where the children live. And there's a house, a house, and you'll see there's a couple mud huts over here, and that's what our team actually built when they were out there. I'm not sure one of those, but it was like that, right? You can check it out on Facebook if you want to see it. But what they, what they need when we talk to them is they need a third house. When they get the third house in Malava, they can move their children from the city to the place they want to have them, right? And there's water, there's clean water, and there's, you know, fresh air, and there's people who love them, and there's a third house need. This is what Elaine says, I need right now is a house. I think the house is $30,000, $35,000. It's a lot. And you hear that, you might go, oh, there's no way. But you know what? If you feel called to do it, you put something in it. If someone else feels called to do it, they put something in it. And all of our little contributions, as God leads, become something that blesses someone that we may never meet. Again, a beautiful thing about this is that we have the chance to know how the ministry is run and to know that these funds are going directly to the recipients. There's no organization. I mean, there's an organizational structure that's tiny. It's like Elaine and the students who've come out of the program, <laughs> you know. By the way, a really cool opportunity has come up. Elaine is coming through the States over the holidays, and she will be joining us in January, first Sunday in January. So if you want to be here, if you want to meet her. But uh, if you feel compelled, as the Lord leads, to contribute to the third and final uh, house for the students in Malava, that's an opportunity to give. Here's something completely different. I was uh, watching the news, as all of you were, and I saw this crazy storm that happened in New York. And as I was watching the TV and I was kind of praying, I thought, man, can we do something? Is there anything we can do? And so I reached out to some contacts we have in ministry, 
And I said, do you know anything about happening with Sandy? And they said, no, there's nothing right now that I know of, but I'll keep you in mind. Well, weeks later, we heard back. I heard back. And I've shared this with a couple of you, but not many of you. But there is this couple, Pastor Gene and Eileen DeAndra, I want to say. I'm probably saying that wrong. But they are former, they were pastoring in New Hampshire, and he uh, came down with Alzheimer's, a, a young onset Alzheimer's. Um, I don't know how old he is, but he is, he is not that old of a gentleman. And so they couldn't continue to minister. Um, they, they ministered as long as they could. They, they stepped down from roles, and they ended up serving um, as long as they could, but they ended up having to get out of ministry altogether. Well, they were living in Ocean City, New Jersey, near fam- or not, actually not near family, but they were living there, and this storm came, and it whoosh, washed through their house. And uh, Eileen is seen here. Uh, smiling outside of the debris pile that came out of her first floor property. Now, the truth is that these things happen. You go, okay, well, there'll be a solution. Obviously, this is why we have insurance and things, but the insurance companies have said because this was sea surge, they aren't covered at all. And that's okay. That's just their rules or whatever. So the community starts to ask, what can we do? And so what's begun to happen is this grassroots movement to just do this house. Just do this house. And there are people who've been blessed by their ministry and want to help them kind of uh, reconstruct it. There's been some obstacles. That's why we haven't talked about it yet. But it's ready to kick off now because inside her house, you'll see that they've gutted everything to the four-foot level. But they found out they had to raise their house four feet now because they've changed the zoning ordinances after the storm. And so there are people on the ground starting this week, raising the house. And I, why do I bring this up to you? I bring it up for a couple reasons. If you hear their story, and if you feel like, man, I want to do something about that, and you want to make a gift of any kind, write out to the pastors. Just write. Don't make sure it's clear that it's not for Family Bible Church because we don't want to keep money that isn't ours. But write on there what that money is for, and it will go right to them. Again, there is no organization that's doing this. It's just the people of God responding. But check this out. It's 13 hours away by car. And if anyone wants to go and, you know, do something, you know what I mean? Talk to me. Because it's not a big deal. It could be a, a Friday, Saturday. It could be a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It could be a, a Saturday, Sunday, Monday. You know what I mean? And we could just go and do something. The goal is to get them back in their home as quickly as possible, but uh, it's going to be a long recovery for them, as you can imagine. So you can pray about that, Pastor Gene and Eileen uh, DeAndra. One more. Jeremiah Project. Some of you know who, what this is. This is really crazy. Jeremiah Project was somebody we went to 2011, and we served there. Again, orphans in the, in the city streets in Antigua, that go out and, and uh, beg for money as they polish shoes of the tourists. Now, the problem with that isn't that they're earning money for family. The problem with that is that they aren't in school. Jeremiah Project is, is uh, attempting to, re, to get those students on grade level as quickly as possible. Some of us fell in love with the kids at, at Jeremiah Project. And I'm going to show you this picture because you'll see this. You'll go, oh, well, yeah. 
Uh, these are the kids uh, of El Hato. El Hato is up in the mountains, and they come down the mountains every day for these, to be taught by Jeremiah Project, and then they're taken back to their homes in the afternoons. And when I first started thinking about, Lord, what would you have us to do? Like, what, would, what could we do that would be really cool for Jeremiah Project? Because we still love them, and, you know, we've got Kenya, and we've got all these other opportunities, and what would we do, Lord? And God said, you know, maybe a van or something would be cool, right? And then when we were down there, someone said, hey, a van would be cool, because they were riding in the back of a pickup truck, at the time. And I went and I was looking around and this picture of the kids at El Hato are lining up for the microbus that they have. They have a microbus. I don't know if you guys, like I got really excited. Did you know that already? I didn't know this. When we were there, they were riding in the back of an open pickup truck and we were like, how do, I'm up, up a steep, crazy, curvy mountain road and we're thinking, this is nuts. There's no way because we, the microbuses hold 15 people, <laughs> and, they, and, they, and they run like indie uh, slot cars, <laughs> if you've ever ridden in one. <laughs> they stick shift, and they're really fast. Um, but, but they have the, and so we called them. We said, hey, what do you think about a vehicle? And they're like, we don't need a vehicle. But what we do need is a stove. Kind of funny, because we went there, and we built stoves out of, like, blocks when we were there. This, by the way, is my lovely wife, Chris Ann. I apologize. It's the only picture I had of the stove, I swear. It's the only picture I had of the stove. But when she went into the glorious kitchen at Jeremiah Project, did you not dream about the things you could do in there? Did you not think, huh, you, like, was Julia Childs or, you know, I don't know who was. Here she is grilling some ground beef. Look how happy she is to be using the two-burner cabinet kind of sort of a stove in front of the single sink behind them. They feed, what was it, 25, 30 kids a day in this kitchen. And they say, you know what we'd love? A stove. You know what a stove costs? 400. But then they said, you know what? It'd be really nice if we had a stove and an oven. That'd be 600 for a stove and an oven to feed 30 kids a day? I was like, yeah. So opportunities to do those things. The question, and here's where we're going to turn. The question is, what would Jesus have us do to celebrate his birthday? There are two great organizations that we've been involved with. Oh, I pushed it too soon. Compassion International and World Vision. And I want you to check out this as a final thought.
So it's not as if there's a lack of opportunity before us. As we um, consider what Jesus would want from his people, keeping in mind all the story about his own birth, the stories he must have heard growing up, you know, in his own family, in his hometown, the things that his parents had been through to raise him, the experience of life he had had. Let's don't take Jesus out of his hometown, the reality of growing up there. And after the celebration and after the raising him up and the difficulty and the Holy Spirit of God being with Mary and Joseph all along the way, and after brothers and sisters who thought he was crazy, and after the everything happening in his life, Jesus goes back to his hometown. And he opens the scriptures. And this is the first thing he reads. The Spirit of the Lord is resting on me. He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners, the recovery of sight for the blind, and to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And after he had said these things, Luke records that he rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant in charge, and he sat down, and everyone from his hometown was looking at him. And then he began to teach, saying, today, this scripture is fulfilled when you heard it. As we come and we remember the birth of Jesus, we have to take into account the things that he came to do. Please pray with me. Father, we've come here today into your house, into your presence, with your people. And we're seeking out, Father, not our own wisdom or our own way or our own gospel, but your path for us, your direction for our lives. And Father, you have given us so much, your unmerited grace, and we know, we know in the cross we've been forgiven of our sins. We know there's nothing more we need do to be right with you. Our question turns, Father, what would you have your people do? What would you desire of me? Father, we've heard great stories of witness of a young lady who would say, let it be like you've said. Of a young man who said, I'll see this through. And of your son and our Savior, Jesus who just changed everything in this world. I pray today that we would be passionate about the things that you're passionate about, and that we would love one another where we are, and we would seek you in everything. And Father, I pray that, I just can't say this enough, Lord, if there's something you're calling us to do, we would do it for your glory and for our good. 
May we trust that you always have our back. You always have our sides. You're always carrying us forward through difficult times. We pray this prayer and we give thanks and praise to you. In Jesus' name, amen.